This is Pastor Rob Stone from Duns Creek Baptist Church, and you are listening to Duns Creek Conversations, a weekly podcast about faith, growth, discovery, and the journey that God is leading each and every one of us on. Today in the podcast, I'm joined by two pastors in the St. Augustine community, Caleb Jones, who pastors Coquina Community Church, and Jeff Gatlin, who pastors Freedom Baptist Church. These two pastors are speaking today on partnership as they have just brought the two churches together to meet in one location. Today they're going to talk about what it looks like to partner together and give some encouragement of how churches can work together to all be better for the sake of the kingdom. I hope that you enjoy the conversation today, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. So good to be with Caleb Jones and Jeff Gatlin today. Um, Guys, thank you so much for being on Duns Creek Conversations. Uh, excited about our conversation today. Um, why don't we start, uh, Jeff, with you. Uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, um, what your current role is, and how did you get there? All right. First of all, thanks for having me, Rob. Um, I am the pastor of Freedom Church. Um, it was a revitalization project. Um, I had had a vision for a long time to revitalize or start a church in this area because um, when I was at Ancient City as a youth pastor for many years, I was the youth pastor there. I was coaching softball at one high school and helping with football at another, and I wanted to tie the two together, and this felt like a good location for that. And then um, just kind of fell in love with the people here, and uh, I've every morning I wake up and I know I'm right where God wants me to be. Things may not go exactly the way I want them to go, but I feel like I'm where where God's using me best. And so I just fell in love with the idea of being here at Freedom, and uh, it's come a long ways. We've come a long ways. You know, we started out as a church that was all teenagers, and it was, uh, that was a huge, huge part of me and piece of me. I still do the youth ministry here, still love youth ministry. It still runs through my veins, but, uh, you know, they grow up, and they get jobs, and they get married and they move away and it's it didn't give me a lot of sustainability so we almost ended up in a re revitalization period a couple years ago so here we are so how long have you been at freedom i'm not sure i was trying to do the math this morning i guess around nine or ten years wow yeah so so you went from being the youth pastor at ancient city baptist church and uh, had the opportunity to come here to do a revitalization and like you said Revital, there's been multiple revitalizings right. that's, that's happened here. Um, but it really seems like just in the last handful of years, um, there, there's really been uh, a, um, a solid base here. There's, there's, been, there's been consistency and growth and, and kind of a, a, a platform to continue moving forward from. And so talk to us just about the, the last few years. What are some of the exciting things you've seen God do here that, that make you so excited to, to still be here and still be serving in this role? Well, one of my biggest visions for any church is I, I've always focused more on the pastor side than the preaching side. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always wanted to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a community. And I would rather, um, we, we actually call our church Freedom Church for St. Augustine, not mm-hmm. of St. Augustine. And mm-hmm. I want people to realize that we exist to reach people in St. John's mm-hmm. County and meet their needs through Jesus. And uh, I've just been surrounded with people that share that vision. And it's been really exciting. It seems like every plateau we've hit, 
God has hit us with something bigger than that plateau, and it's been in the form of a person or someone that can step in, like I was sharing about Jason Forrest joining us. Like every time we've hit a little plateau, boom, something has happened, and someone has stepped in and just blown our minds, and we're like, man, God's, God's working. We hit wow. that plateau. We needed that plateau. God did a little bit of pruning, and we're wide open again. And so, mm-hmm. so it's just been every step of the way. Every time I've kind of felt like Jeff has started working, and gotten in God's way, God has sent someone that has moved Jeff out of the way again. So, mm, that's so good. Yeah. I love that. Well, Caleb, what about you? Tell us a little bit about who, who you are and uh, your current role and how you got there. I just really started, through Ed Stetzer and, and a few other individuals, I started really wondering how churches got started for maybe the first time. And, <laughs> and with that, uh, Crescent Beach sent me and Crystal to Coquina to learn how a church that uh, meets in a cafeteria and in people's houses operate. Mm-hmm. And through that process, we found out about an opportunity in, in the UK and in Wales on council estates, government housing facilities. And so we went through the process of being, <clears throat> so we were sent by Crescent Beach to go learn about church planting, mm-hmm. right? And then Crescent Beach and then Co- Coquina, where we were learning, we went through the process of being sent by them to go aid a church planting operation in the UK. Mm. And then um, about four years into that operation, it just started looking like we had accomplished what we set out to do. Um, And also that Coquino was going through some rough times. Mm. And so the church in Wales sent us back uh, to St. Augustine to help Coquina. And about two years ago at Christmas, that's when our original planting pastor uh, resigned, and we started looking at what it would be like for me to come on to leadership is there as well. So it's it's right now, currently, it's me and two other guys, um, one who was saved in that congregation. The other guy's been there from the very beginning. Um, and so for just over two years now, we've been in leadership there at Coquina and just working through what the identity of the church is and, and all the things that, that were started as a bedrock of of, of that church and all the things that um, were incredibly important to us. Like I said, one of the guys, Pat, he became a Christian in that environment. The other guy, it's the, it's the only church he'd, he'd known from being married and having all of his kids. And so it is deep in us, yeah. um, the way that Gardner Gordon, he, he was the original church planner, started it. And we, we're very thankful for everything that he did and laid out in that. And, uh, and, and the DNA that he put into the church all the way through is, is one of the things that made it, when, even when he resigned, he was able to still hang out and be a part of the congregation for a while. Mm-hmm. And as, that was just something that I've never seen anything like that before, mm-hmm. where somebody could, could lead that well that there was no... Uh, <sighs> It was just such grace-based relationships. Yeah. Um, and so we went through the process of all that. And then what we saw most recently that, that led us to um, looking at something different is that we realized that we wanted people to be gathering based on the missions that they're involved in throughout the city. And um, I, know, I know that another question will probably ask us to answer this better, but Jeff lives missionally everywhere he goes and as we started looking at different options all of a sudden it just was like this is a guy who um, lives missionally in front of all of his people this is the kind of guy that i also want my people Mm -hmm. to get to know 
Um, so yeah. So talk to me a little bit about how the two of you met. Where does where does this relationship go back to? How where does this relationship start? Because your your dad is still the youth pastor at Crescent Beach Baptist. At Crescent Beach yeah. Baptist. Yeah. And so your dad was a youth pastor at Crescent Beach Baptist back when you were serving as youth pastor at Ancient City. No, that all uh, happened later. I, okay. I was I mean, I met Jeff when I was still in in college and some of my cousins were in his youth ministry program. Okay. So he still holds that against me. Yeah. Too, by the way. So like Jeff would show up at family gatherings. Yeah. <laughs> I called his Nana and Papa Nana and Papa Strick. Yeah. I've just always called them that. That's kind of our tie. So they treated me like I was part of their family. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was forced on Caleb, so to speak. Okay. <laughs> but then even even later than that, once he was in this space, he he called me a couple times to come talk to the youth group or. You know, talk to one of the teams that he was working with, and he was—he was another one of those dudes that really took me seriously mm-hmm. and gave me some of my first reps in in different things. Um, Dale Tompkins from Church on the Way being another one of those guys, and ultimately Gardner. Yeah. You know, it's like I said what I wanted to do, and they didn't say go to Colorado and get five years of experience. They said, "Come do this here." Yeah. So yeah, I've always planned on hiring Caleb and him being on staff at the church that I pastor always envisioned freedom growing a lot bigger and faster than it did and Mm -hmm. snatching him away from where he was and he's just kind of moved around and we've just stayed in touch so so Caleb you you are with with a team of two other guys leading Coquina Community Church and Coquina since its inception was meeting at Catalinas Elementary School in downtown St. Augustine and as you and uh, this leadership team began to think about what does the future look like for us as a community of faith, as a church, it, it, it became pretty obvious that um, you needed a home, it, it, not, not just a right. place to lease, um, but, but a home base from which to be missional in, in the community. And that wasn't going to be feasible if you were to continue the relationship and all that had to, to happen to continue meeting at Catalinas. So at what point in the conversation, at what point in this process does the thought come up, let's have a conversation with Jeff Gatlin at Freedom and see if there's a possibility to essentially have two churches in one location. Um, so first of all, Jeff has been offering his space since I got back to Florida. Okay. Almost three, three years ago in July. Like from the minute I ran into him, he was offering this space to be used in any way possible for the furthering of the kingdom. So mm-hmm. he was offering that from way back then. And over this, over this last summer, we took advantage of that by doing all of our leader training meetings here in this building. So we had four different sessions that we had in here. And that was cool because that was during the time period where it was slowly being renovated. It went from being um, a building with, with carpets and pews. And from 1987 to 2019. Yeah. And, and so like every time we met in the building and Jeff was like, yeah, here's the key. It's open. Go use it. It was just looking more and more incredible. But... All right, I'm going to tell this as briefly as I can. Um, Back in April of 2018, I had been working 
on this concept of what I knew for a fact was that I was showing up to church every Sunday morning expectant for God to do something because I was uh, scared and I knew that only God could, could pull off what we wanted to do. So I was relying on the Holy Spirit all week long to do everything in, in my life to accomplish it. And I really started seeing that I wanted our people to be experiencing that same thing. And we had some people say, come and say, um, we're, we're gonna go, we've, we've given this a shot after Gardner left and you guys took over. And these are people that had been with us for mm. like eight, nine, 10 years and it was crippling in, in my heart. And then I realized, I was like, they have been with Coquina for this entire time. If we can't let them go and send them out now, then when? Yeah. yeah. And, and it really changed everything back in that April. And, it's, and it said, you need to be releasing people on mission. If people are gonna leave your church, you need to be releasing them mm -hmm. to go on mission. If they're willing to do it healthy, you know? Yeah. And so we went about the business of making sure that they connected with another church. And, and now it's, there's, no, there's no love lost when you run into those people at Target now, which mm -hmm. is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> because there's plenty of other people that it's still weird. Um, <laughs> the awkward breakups. Right, you know. Um, but then that, that rearranged everything the way we were gathering. It's like our people are already involved with mission, so let's release them to mission. Let's call what they're doing mission, and let's figure out a way to support them in those local missions. And from that we started seeing that what would be really interesting is if we had a place that people could use 24-7 for local mission, and then our church would meet there on Sundays. Now, ultimately, um, about October and November, um, many people had left Coquina, but also a lot of people had joined us. But there was a massive difference in... Uh, the people that left were, were middle to higher income, and the people that were joining us were lower income families, like myself, yeah. you know, <laughs> as, as, as a person. And so we started looking at our financial realities, and the, the bottom line is we are spending all of our money every month to be in this space. Mm -hmm. And we love this space. It's downtown. It has a killer playground. There's great parking. We have an incredible relationship with the school. Um, and the, so the whole time, there's two things going on in my head. Jeff is saying, come here if you want to. And my finance guys are saying, we have to do something. And I actually thought for a while that I was experiencing spiritual paralysis because I couldn't think of anything good to do. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, maybe I'm not a good leader because I can't think outside the box to fix this situation. I don't know enough about finances. I, am I just going to be stagnant and keep us here? Like it was, it was a really a dark moment of the soul and God um, and in the very same way that he said yes you should pursue going to Wales he in in the course of a week he illuminated all of the new realities that we were dealing with one um, it used to be location 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 now it's relationship 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 we wanted to be in downtown to have access to University students, I work with about 50 of them throughout the course of the week. Um, and they will go wherever you are. Mm -hmm. They're already, if, if they were coming to Coquina, they were already walking past three churches yeah. to get to us. Mm -hmm. um, they, some are going all the way up to Jacksonville to go to 1122. So if, if we have a relationship with people, it doesn't matter where we're at. Mm -hmm. 
Second, one of our missional communities takes care of the school. We don't have to meet there in the school on Sunday for them to keep taking care of the school. Yeah. Plus, we partnered with another church, Reverb, who meets in there, and they are also taking care of the school. We didn't meet there last Sunday, but one of our groups, four of our guys, went over there and helped move tables on Wednesday morning. So location doesn't isn't important. Relationship is. Um, the next thing is, is that I had to kind of get over... Um, that just because this is where the, the church started and I love Gardner and I want to honor him in everything that I do because of everything that I learned from him, um, it was time to go. Yeah. It was time to let go of that space. And, and, and in some ways, in my mind, I thought that leaving would look like defeat to anybody who had already left. Mm -hmm. The thing that we joked around about for a couple years is because um, literally people would come up to us in myself Pat and Steve in coffee shops and stuff. And, and people have said to us, so where are you guys going to church now that Coquina isn't around anymore? And it's like that Mark Twain quote, the rumors of our demise have been greatly exaggerated. Like, We're still a church. We still meet there. And so there was a, a bit of me that had to get over that, um, that it looked like moving from that space looked like some sort of defeat. Mm. Um, and then... Ultimately, the, the work that these guys did to make this space look as credible as it did, we met here to have a music practice for our Carols by Candlelight service. So that's our church and three other churches meeting together to practice to do a Christmas Eve service in downtown. And this place looked so wonderful when we came in here that it just, it, it was the final straw, it cracked everything. Mm -hmm. And so the guys had been telling me financially, we need to do something for quite some time. But now all of a sudden I saw what would be good for our people mm -hmm. for the very first time. Yeah. It was not a move motivated by finances. As a matter of fact, I, I shut down probably. Mm -hmm. when, it, when, when, I'm try, when somebody tries to motivate me with numbers, I, I just, I shut down. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden it all came together and it was like, this would be good for us. We could actually start saving money for a future home. I want these guys to meet Jeff, to see what he's up to. As a matter of fact, our church might even be able to participate in some of his mission yeah. to join together. Um, and we can talk more about this later, but I really think that the ultimate way forward for churches working together is through mission, mm -hmm. not necessarily through joint worship services mm -hmm. right off the bat, because those are stylistic differences. Yeah. Mission, there's no style to mission. It's wild and flexible. Absolutely. Um, with worship, you got opinions. Um, so we'll talk about more of that later. But so I, I put it in front of our folks, and um, it they started seeing the value of that and being in a space. And and the biggest kickback was probably about the time difference, meaning that we would have to work meet at four, and just change is scary. Yeah. And you, you got like Steve got married had all five of his current children and they have one more on the way were born going to that space to worship really? on, a, on a sunday morning wow. you know so he's like i have raised five kids in this building you know on sunday doing setup and takedown and all of that stuff and then once people started seeing what we could get up to missionally it started changing it we talked to everybody. Um, the way we operate is we didn't necessarily take a vote, but we were like, you better tell us everything. Because we're, we're 60 people. Yeah. You know, we, we're in the stage where you can do that. 
um, were like, you need to tell us what you think. And people were good and honest about all of that stuff. Mm. And in some cases, you know, you have some people that are like, this is a phenomenal, this is great. You sit down with some people and they have an hour and a half conversation about everything that could possibly go wrong with it. And then they look at you at the end and goes, by the way, I'm for it. <laughs> but, but just in case. But just in case. <laughs> you haven't thought about these things. I'm in your corner, but have you thought of, yeah. have you thought of, have you thought of. But they yeah. wait for an hour and a half to tell me that. <laughs> so I'm sweating bullets. And, um, and, and then I sat down with Jeff at a coffee shop, unloaded on him, and he said, yeah. And that was uh, right before Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. I think, is when we started having that conversation. And, um, you know, it was like if, if Caleb were to move as fast as he wanted to, we would have been in this space on the first Sunday in January. And what it turned out to be was the, um, the 10th of February. So the 10th of February was the first service that Kukina Community Church did in this location. Yeah, so last Sunday. How, how was that? Um, it was really good. And I think one of the things that made it so, so good was, um, so Jeff had told me leading up to it, he's like, hey, I want to say, you know, stuff to, to your folks. And in my head, I meant to, to, to put that in, but in the midst of doing everything, I forgot to slot that, like everything that was going on and, and making sure everybody had everything. And luckily he came up to me and he's like, hey, I want to say something. I was like, yes. So Jeff, Jeff was here, Jason was here. Um, and and um, I'm, I'm gonna let you take over from there because I think that we did what we did it the exact same worship service that we would have done had we been in the school. But I think what you said really set the tone. Like we had already done a couple worship songs right. and we had gone through our prayer session. Uh, we had a break and the kids were dismissed. And then before I gave the message out of Hebrews, Jeff spoke. And, and I think it really sums up everything about the experience. So if you want to right. say what you said there. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to, to welcome them to Coquina community church, not to Freedom Church. Yeah. And uh, I explained to them because of the legalities of two bodies meeting in one spot in the world we live in today, we had to cross our T's and dot our I's. So there is a piece of paper that is a lease agreement that says that we are landlord, they are tenants. And that's the only place I want that to come off. Mm -hmm. It's on that piece of paper and for that piece of paper only. I want this to be their church home. I want them to see this as their place where their children can grow up. I want them to eat donuts and drink coffee and hang out and scuff the walls. Probably shouldn't say that out loud. <laughs> and, and do the things. That I'm writing it down. It's <laughs> recorded now. Edit that out. <laughs> but I want them to live life here. And I want this to be their church home. And so yeah. I tried to make sure that that was said. I was not here last Sunday because I wanted to micromanage mm -hmm. and I didn't want it to be, oh, the pastor's sitting in the back to make sure that we're not handling snakes mm -hmm. or doing anything crazy and to make sure that we're, we're up to snuff. And that's not what it was about. I love this guy and I believe in him. So I had no issue with that. My issue was I wanted them to see that I want to be a part of this. Yeah. And I'm excited to have them here and, and we're, we're not landlords were not looking over them. We were wanting them to, to be at home and feel at home, and we're excited about it. And I told Caleb Sunday night, I left church. Jason had preached, and it was by far Jason's best message yet. All of his messages have been good, but she, he's kicking my butt all over the place. Like, mm -hmm. I've worked harder on this week's message because he's... And then um, I had lunch with my family. I came back and watched them set up, sat through their service, went to the Volano Beach Bridge to run, 
put my headphones in and made it all the way across the bridge and realized I hadn't even turned the music on. Mm. Like I was on this buzz, this feeling of this is what it feels, this God, this is where we're supposed to be right now. Yeah. And, I, and I thought, you knucklehead, you didn't even turn your headphones on. Like you're just running for nothing. So just everything about it felt so good and I was so excited to finally see them experience the release of, it's gonna be all right, mm-hmm. it's gonna be okay because I've, I've watched things like that and I've seen the fear and the discomfort of, you know, we're there, but we're at someone else's church, we're in someone mm-hmm. else's chair. So yeah, it was really funny because he's texting me saying, I, "I feel so good. I'm running across the bridge. I feel great." Meanwhile, I'm sitting on my couch. I feel like I've just run a marathon. <laughs> like I'm emotionally just tapped out. I just want to watch some like goofy comedy and yeah. and like I was like, "Good for you, Jeff." <laughs> well, I got the goofy comedy out of your sermon. So yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, well, in, in in fairness, what your your experience coming into this. And so, so Caleb, your experience and Jeff, your experience coming into this are, are, are two very different experiences. There, there is the release that, that comes with that in, 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 hey, we have a home. We have, we have a place that we have access to all week. You know, we've got some home-based permission. But it is, like you said, there, there is the... There is still... A change and change is emotionally difficult it's spiritually difficult um, there's a change that has come out of it for you and for your people and it's it's one of those things that, that you and your vision as a leader you can see where this is going and you can see how this is is, is going to be good but it's it's also I think is the tendency for us as leaders that to carry the mantle of leadership through seasons of change often can mean we're the last ones to emotionally and spiritually process it. Oh, yeah. And, and go through it. <laughs> the first and the last. Yeah. yeah. The first one's in, last one's out. Yeah. yeah. But, but then so that, what that also means is the, the, what you said that it felt like I just run a marathon in many ways is completely true because getting from those conversations in November to February 10th, and that service is over. The, there, there wasn't a 24-hour period between those two points where this wasn't on your mind, where this wasn't something you were praying about. I mean, so this, this has been a consistent for you, and so it is a very different experience. But, Jeff, I want to ask you this. As Caleb comes back from Wales from a four-year mission in Wales two, two and a half years ago, and as soon as he's back, you immediately are going, how can I help? How can we partner? How, how can I leverage me for you? How can I leverage the church I lead for the church you lead? And, and where does that come from? Because, because that's, that is a rare thing. One of the reasons that I wanted to interview the two of you together is the fact that, um, you know, all, all three of us, all three of us are, 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 probably in a similar vein, meaning that we all have a Baptist background. Right. Um, and and though we may not theologically be far different from that, I think all of us in different ways are, are kind of pushing at the outer limits of, of that. And, and in Baptist world, where churches are dying constantly, and yet church mergers, church partnership doesn't seem to happen, that there's so much of a sense of competition 
Yeah. Where does this sense of cooperation and partnership, where does this sense from you of going, all I care about is how can, how can we be better? How can I help you be better? That there's a generosity there that isn't common. You're going to laugh when you hear where this came from. Um, okay. I'm a firm believer that God uses every step, every path to build into you. And I don't have to say that on this podcast or the two of you. I know you're firm believers in that. Alexa decided to start playing softball at eight years old. PJ waited till she was about eight or nine. So they're like 10 and 12 years old. And a friend of mine and I start coaching Little League softball. And I'm watching some of the dads that I'm friends with pour into only their kid. Mm. And I looked at Freddie Allen, who's a good friend of mine, who goes to church here, who coached softball with me. His kids went to St. Augustine. I went to Pedro, so it was a fun rivalry. Or I coach at Pedro now. Um, but I just looked at him. I said, if our kids are going to do their best, we've got to make everybody better. And I walked away from that conversation, and like two weeks later, ding! I was like, I want every teenager in this community to know Jesus and live for Jesus. Mm-hmm. I can't reach them all. Yeah. And so I'm going to start pouring into everyone I know who's doing youth ministry. And we had St. Augustine Youth Ministers Alliance for a while, and Mason Rieger and myself, and Kevin when he was here before he moved down south. Like We had a lot of the youth pastors together, and I just wanted to pour into all of them. Mm-hmm. Because I realized in order for our teenagers within our ministries to grow up and reach their full potential for Jesus, they needed to be surrounded by others doing the same thing, and they're not all going to come from my walls. So it actually came from coaching softball. With 10 and 12-year-olds, I realized if I want my kid to be the best, every kid around them has got to get stronger and better to push them. And so in turn with ministry, if I want to reach this community for Jesus Christ, I need to pour into everyone that I can so that our people and our teenagers and our children are surrounded by people who are going to other churches who are feeding into them and sharing the love of Jesus with them. And that's just, that's been my heartbeat from day one. Mm-hmm. So I've never, I've never been territorial with anything. I drive our trustees crazy. Because there would be 12 churches meeting in here at all different hours if I had my way, you know. But uh, they're like, well, we just revamped this and we got to slow it down and we can't have all these groups in here. And so we're working through what that looks like because I'm just, I'm an open door kind of guy. When our youth ministry was booming here, my wife told me, you know, we spent about another 100 to $120 a week in groceries because we had to have a football team at our house all weekend from Saturday morning till Sunday night. You grew up in that because yeah. your dad and mom used to do the same thing. And so I'm just, everything I do is open door. And mm. and that's that's just, and it, it came from coaching softball of all places. Mm. So I hope that answered your question. No, it, re- it really does. But I, 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 I don't, I don't want us to, to fly past this. Um, because there's just so much, there's so much power in that. There, there's so much recognizing that, <clears throat> recognizing that in order for the kingdom to be stronger, in order for the kingdom to expand in a community, the only way forward is not how do I make my church grow? But how can I be an encouraging, equipping force 
for the capital C church. Yeah. That's, and especially in the background we're all from, the first question anyone has when you start talking that way is, well, do they believe what we believe? And, and then you get in, it's immediately conversations of doctrine. And then because of the ways that we spiritualize preference, then it very quickly morphs into conversations about doctrine, then into, well, do they do things like we do them? So not do they believe what we believe, right. do they do things like we do them? Um, from day one, I got real deep theological with them and told them I want freedom to be a place where we major on the major and minor on the minor. Because I see so many places, so much division based on labels. Mm -hmm. And I've always been a firm believer in not labeling people and not labeling things because labels automatically cause a division. Yeah. And I've always taught relationship over religion. I'm probably the least religious person you'll ever meet. Um, they almost get mad at me that we don't do some of the things that they want built into services because I'm just, I'm a relationship guy, you know, and, and that just infiltrates everything that I do. That's probably why um, pastoring has always come very easy for me. Um, preaching took work, and I know I look at people sometimes like, you've been here for eight years, like, bless you. <laughs> and they're like, it's the conversations from Monday to Saturday that got us through it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Whatever works. But I mean, right now we live in a world where people can get on YouTube and hear a good sermon anytime they want, but they can't necessarily find a pastor. Mm -hmm. And I know that in this town, to sound as humble, and I don't want to sound arrogant at all, but I know that I pastor hundreds of people that I'll never get the chance to preach to. Yeah, right. And I kind of want the church to be that way too. I want to minister to hundreds and thousands of people that we may never have the chance to sit down and worship with mm -hmm. until we're in heaven. First of all, I think it's fair to say that there have been people all through my time knowing Jeff that have said things along the line of, why isn't that church doing better? Right. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. like, like, they, like that's always, that has always been part of the conversation. And I just remember the very first time that I said, I said, it was somebody that I could trust and and somebody I love, and somebody that loves Jeff, but I was like, I remember the first time I really kicked back on it ver verbally. I was like, he meets with this many high schoolers a week. He's in the jail. He's, he's working with, with women who have gone through some very horrible things in their life, and he gets to drag race with his dad on Saturday. This guy's living an incredible life. And, and that was like, that I'm was, going to need a recording of that. But it was like, I finally got to verbalize that. It was, it was like, that's who Jeff is. That's what he's doing. That's like, like if he gets to do that for the rest of his life, well done, good and faithful. Like that's incredible. You know, like yeah. the way that he's taking care of so many people in his life. Um, and, and so, um, yeah. And, and that was, I, I've constantly told people since I've been back for the last two years that that's, who Jeff is and isn't it great that we have a partner in a different part of the city and that's the guy that's letting us use this space mm. um, but yeah so like I've always wanted people to get to know somebody else that was doing that kind of thing and living in that way uh, here's here's what I want to put to put to both of you 
most of most of our listeners to this podcast are either people you know connected uh, to Duns Creek or people who are connected to other churches that we work with in and around Putnam County and kind of mutual friends. But for the pastor, for the for the area pastor who's going to listen to this conversation. What would your encouragement be to them to begin to think about, to, to, con- to begin considering the possibility of what God might do with their willingness to partner, with their willingness to work together, with their willingness to adopt that view that, that girls softball taught you, which was, if I want the kingdom to grow then everyone needs to be better, not just the church I'm leading. So what would your encouragement be to the, to the pastor who's listening to this to, to begin opening up their eyes, to begin considering what it might look like to take, to take that leap, to take a risk and say a, a risk ventured for the sake of a kingdom is a worthwhile risk? Right away, the first thing that I would say is um, I have been part of a group of pastors meeting in this part of the county for a little over a year now called The Collective, um, started up by the guys at Reverb, but it's Anastasia Baptist Church's campuses, Reverb's campuses, Colonial Church, um, a lot of, of little churches, um, Church at Volano, Freedom on 16, um, Covenant Church, you know, out out out, out by the the interstate, and um, and I was really did not want to go do that. I got invited to the first meeting. My buddy Tom, who's a pastor up in Nocatee, actually, we had a meeting planned for him and I to meet, and he called me that morning and said, "I double booked. Would you come to this thing instead of us meeting?" And I was I was like very offended, like, okay, so not only are you not going to meet with me, but you want me to go to to your thing. And I got in there and um, immediately was just spiritually put in my place. Like, this is... And so the thing I would say, because of that experience and what really got the ball rolling on all of this stateside was I saw... You think that the differences that you have with other churches are going to be something that you have to constantly battle with as far as envy, as far as, um, but what meeting with those guys actually did for me is I saw what they were doing. I saw the heart behind it and seeing what they were doing actually gave me the freedom to pursue what I knew was a unique thing for me. Mm. So joining with other pastors, hearing what they have going on, it sounds counterproductive on paper. You think that you're going to become more like them or you're going to, you know, have, those battles where where you're comparing, you know what what's going on, and you're going to have to speak to that. Actually, for me, being around other pastors all the time gave me the freedom to know that what I was doing was unique, special, and the city of St. Augustine needed it mm-hmm. because these other guys were doing the things that they were doing so well. It wasn't like I all of a sudden started feeling like I needed to do what they were doing it actually freed me up to do the things that I knew that this particular weirdo little body of ours needed to do. Mm. So don't neglect gathering with other pastors and hearing what they have going on 
it will actually, it's, it's like something out of the Psalms. It's like, this is what you're doing when you gather, but it does all this other stuff. Mm. Like it frees you up in so many other ways to see what they're doing and to say, I don't need to worry about that aspect because they have that covered. You know, you, this is, might be a controversial thing, but I don't think anybody else in the city of St. Augustine needs to do a giant women's gathering. Colonials pretty much got that. Yeah. We don't need to clone that. You know, yeah. what the city of St. Augustine needs is somebody else to do something else if we're going to see this entire city reached. So that might be controversial. I don't care. But <laughs> that's, seeing them do that well freed us up to make sure that we did what we did. Yeah. It's not, it's not let us try to put together a poor facsimile of that thing, but, but to see them do something well, to see other pastors do something well, actually gives you the confidence and boldness to step into, okay, so what God calls us to do, we need to do with that level of excellence. I love it. Jeff, what about you? What would you say to a pastor who's considering what that kind of partnership looks like? I, I firmly believe that we need to be the best version of us that we can be. And... Um, I, for one, uh, did not like going to pastor get-togethers or anything like that, but the culture is changing, yeah. and the culture around us is changing, and the pastoral culture is changing. Um, for me, um, I deal with depression, and when it hits, it hits hard, and I walk outside, and it's a beautiful sunny day, but it doesn't look sunny, and my wife can see it coming, and my children have figured it out, and... Some of the people that understand that the best are other pastors because they know, I mean, you guys know that roller coaster, man. And being a bivocational pastor, you get up on Monday morning and you're washed out, but you got to go to work. It's, it's 6 a.m. I've got to go. And so I'm up at 5.30 doing some reading, some studying, and hitting the road at 6 a.m. because that's what I've got to do. And, and it takes knowing someone that's got the same heartbeat for God's people to understand that. And I think I've grown that way. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think of back in the, for me, going to pastor stuff was when I was younger, I was too malleable. Hmm. And so I was taking on everything. And I think back to dating myself now, cassette tapes, and waiting for your favorite song to come on the radio. Mm-hmm. Or I had friends that would buy the single of a, of a, a yeah. tape and I'd be like, ooh, 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 I gotta have that. So I'd take it home and I'd make a copy of it. Uh-huh. And then I would make a copy for my car. So you end up with a copy of a copy of a copy and you put it in your car and you start playing and it's music, but it's in the background. I hope that didn't come out weird, but... No, so I, so, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm all too familiar with that. Yeah, and so that music is no longer quality anymore. And my fear was if I hang out with all these other pastors, I'm just going to be jealous, envious, like Caleb said, and I'm going to want to do what they're doing, and I'm going to become a copy of a copy of a copy, whereas what I need to do is be the best example of Jesus that I can be the way he's equipped me. And we are all equipped differently Mm -hmm. to do different types of things. And when we start copying, we get out of who we are. And sometimes I'll listen to a sermon or I'll hear something and go, oh, man, that's so good. Me and Jason were talking about this. I was like, man, that's so good. I wish I could be more like that. But that's not me. I can't do that because people can go listen to him because I listen to him. Like They want to hear from my heart. So it's got to be me doing it. And so the more genuine we become, the the more, the better we become for Jesus. It's interesting the, the way that you say that, because really this point you're making is there is this very deep connection to the confidence we have in who Christ has uniquely and specifically made us to be. Right. 
And it's actually that confidence, not, not, not a willingness to become 15 different things, right. but it's actually the confidence of this is who I am, this is the kind of pastor Christ has called me to be. It's that confidence right. that, that frees you in, into that space where partnership can happen, where kingdom building can happen, where joining together on mission can happen. Because it's, it's not out of a place of insecurity, but out of a place of I can bring the fullness of who God has made me to be right. to this table and leverage all of that for the kingdom. I love that. See how well you worded that? I'm always, no, matter, no matter where I am, I'm the dummy in the room. No matter where I'm sitting, I'm just like, those were my thoughts through Rob's stomach. We, we refer to you as the relational genius, though. So. I love it. I love it. Well, gentlemen, I can't thank you enough. I'm excited. Uh, so one weekend uh, to this partnership, I'm excited to see what God does through it. Um, but I have to tell you, it is encouraging, it's challenging, um, and it's something that gives me such a tremendous sense of hope about the future of the church and about all the possibilities that are out there as churches try to figure out how to better reach their communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you both for being here. Yeah, Thanks check, for having us. Check in with us again in six months when yeah. they're trying to kick us out and we're stealing all the copper wiring. Because <laughs> <laughs> we really are a pirate church. <laughs> Anybody that knows me has heard me say that before. Pirates. <laughs> yeah, ho hopefully we're still together when this airs. <laughs> all right. God bless you. And for our listeners, thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next Monday.